Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is being inscribed onto stone tablets to be discovered by archaeologists thousands of years from now. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of being told to think positively? Smile to denial is what I always say. And if you're smiling, no one can see the pain within. How is that unhealthy? Seriously, how is it unhealthy? Now, where do they put that Zola? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like a dose of denial, then get ready to start creating the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain and your personal empowerment coach. This is the Personal Growth Show for the Critical Thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood. Not only that, it will keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. And if you're here to learn more common sense tips to improve your life, then you're probably brand new to this show and will be very, very unsatisfied because this is the direct path to uncommon sense. That's right. I don't repackage information. I just share what I know to work. And that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, I want to talk about two different types of people. And of course, there are millions of types of people. But in this particular segment, I'm going to talk about the yeah, but people. Those who say, yeah, but uh, if I do it, uh, well, then this might happen. Or if I don't do it, then this might happen. Or this might not happen. You know those type that uh, maybe you'll give them a piece of information that's very helpful, like something called advice. <laughs> maybe, maybe even solicited advice. Like they say, what do you think I should do? And you go, well, why don't you try this? And what would happen if you say this to that person? Or what would happen if you do this? And they'll go, mm, scratch in the back of their head. Yeah, but uh, if I do that, well, well, what if they say this? Or what if I fall? Or what if I get rejected? Or, you know, who knows? They can come up with a, a billion excuses. Uh, are you a yeah, but person? <laughs> if I'm talking to you, I'll be gentle. But let's talk about the difference between a yeah, but person and an okay, I'll try it person for lack of better terms right now. But for now, just pretend there are two different types of people. So you have the yeah, but person on one side and the okay, I'll try it on the other side. Let me relate this to something that happened to me a few, few nights ago that um, I had the opportunity to choose yeah, but or okay, I'll try it. And I don't know what happened inside of me, but something just shifted in nanoseconds. I was at a, a night out with my girlfriend and we went to a place where her old singing group got together. She uh, used to sing in acapella groups and they all got together and they rented this space uh, on the second floor of this huge bar in Georgia. And um, we had this private room, so we all went upstairs and they put on this amazing acapella show. And since she was one of the alumni, they called her up and they called other uh, women up there to sing along to some of the songs. Well, at one point in the, I guess you could call it a 
concert, they said, all right, now, boyfriends and husbands and all the guys that have had to deal with all of us women singing at home and practicing for for uh, weeks or even years <laughs> in this group, I want you to come on stage. And so I'm thinking, I'm a boyfriend. And then I look over to my girlfriend and I'm like, should I go up? And she is like, uh, if you want. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And I stood up and I went on stage. And it was funny because this is something I normally wouldn't do. And when I got on stage, I was like, what did I just do? I had no nervousness whatsoever. I mean, I don't mind speaking in front of people. But this was a an acapella group of women that sang very nicely. And here I am on stage with them, not even knowing what's going to happen. And three other guys got up there as well, but I heard two of them were plants. So that's not fair. <laughs> but another guy came up, so I wasn't alone. But I didn't find that out until later. But there I was on stage. And I didn't know it was going to happen. I thought they might even make us sing, which would have been kind of fun. But but um, what they ended up doing was singing a song, something like, um, that man is a tramp <laughs> or something like that. But they were complimenting us as well. And I, I really enjoyed it. I felt a little uncomfortable because here I am just standing there not doing anything but stand there. And so I just enjoyed it and I played along and everyone clapped and then I was done. So the experience was very enjoyable and it, it got me into a slight discomfort zone, but only for a matter of seconds. Because once I was up there and they started singing, it was fine. Although I, I do admit that sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable just standing <laughs> Where do I put my hands? Do I put them on my pockets? Do I cross my arms? I didn't know what to do. So I just put my hands in front of me and I think I cupped them or something in front of my belt line. I'm not sure. But um, as they were singing, I just went along with it and smiled and laughed. And I looked at the other guys and they started, um, I think one of them barked like a dog or something. <laughs> and it was it was funny. And I was like, am I missing something? Am I supposed to be doing something? But it didn't matter because I made it to the stage. And this is the difference between yeah, but and okay, I'll try it. For a millisecond, I said to myself, yeah, but I don't know what to do up there. Why are they calling us up there? And I just wanted to be that yes man for a minute. You ever see that Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man? I just wanted to go up there and just say yes. I just wanted to say yes and do it even before I knew what was going to happen, just decided to do it. I think it just felt great knowing that the fear didn't stop me from trying it out. And I talk about that on this show all the time. When you think about the consequences and you're afraid of the consequences, you won't do what maybe you could or should do. When your brain jumps into, yeah, but if I do that, then what's going to happen? When it jumps into that, you're probably not going to do it. And it's going to stop you almost every time. And then you have to get to the point of, well, just push through the fear. <laughs> You've heard people say that, right? I, I might even have even said that at one time. Just push through the fear. 
I'm all about not even getting to the place of fear. How about just saying, all right, I'll try it without even thinking. Don't let yourself think because thinking leads to fear. Of course, there's going to be things that you're, that you have to say no to. Hey, why don't you jump in the water with those sharks? (laughs) I think you're going to have to think (laughs) at that point, or at least say, no, that's not a good idea. Uh, But you'll know the difference. You'll know the difference between getting on stage and jumping into a tank of sharks. But maybe some people think that's the same thing. (laughs) But what's the worst that could happen? What's going to happen if you are called up in front of people and you're in the spotlight? What are they going to do? And this is just one example. There's a, a billion examples that this could happen with. But there are times where we're put on the spot or we're given advice or we're asked to do something or we're told to do something and we let the fear kick in and then we become that yeah, but person. And even if we don't say it, we do it in our head. Yeah, but if I, if I do that, what's going to happen? So this is my challenge for you. (laughs) You're like, oh no, (laughs) I want you to do before you think you'll know if it's safe i mean it's not going to be jumping in the the tank of sharks it's do something before you think about it and make it a challenge for yourself do something before the fear kicks in you know it's one of those things that uh the last i don't know 10 years of my life i adopted a philosophy where if i'm afraid of it i need to do it And I've used that philosophy over and over again. And I've also said something along the same lines of, if there's something I probably should do, but don't want to, I should do it. (laughs) Like exercise. If I should exercise, but don't want to, I should probably exercise. (laughs) If I should drink a lot of water, then maybe I should drink a lot of water. And then that has helped me uh, stay on track with some of the things uh, that I do in my life. But uh, I do like the idea of if I'm afraid of it, I should do it. And that way it'll desensitize me to what I'm afraid of. If I'm afraid of snakes, I should go to the pet store and handle snakes. That might be scary for some people. (laughs) And it's not even necessary, really, unless... The fear is debilitating. And if you walk around everywhere you go and you're afraid of snakes and it's always on your mind, then we need to get past this. We need to get past this fear that you're carrying around with you because that's like blocking your success in many areas of life. Because anytime you carry any negativity with you, it slows you down in some way. And it's an underlayer that follows you around. It's the underlayer of of negativity that can change your mind when you could do something that might lead to something successful. Like, let's go to the zoo. And you might meet the love of your life at the zoo. But because you're afraid of snakes, you choose not to go to the zoo that day and suddenly your life doesn't go in the path that it could have. I'm really reaching here. (laughs) But you get what I mean. Don't be a yeah, but person. 
If anything, change the words that you use. Let's just say that it is a no. Change it to no. I would rather have you say, no, I'm not going to do that, than, yeah, but if I do that, and then when the excuse machine starts and who knows when that ends. <laughs> I've known people that were yeah, but people. And uh, I've, I hate to say it, have eliminated them from my life because they're, they're too hard to keep around. They're always a downer. They, they always have something going on in their life and they don't think there's a solution for anything. And I realize that there are things out there that don't have solutions. But don't say, yeah, but. Come to a more conclusionary statement. Conclusionary a word? <laughs> Come to a more conclusive statement where you say, no, I'm not going to do that. And maybe even give your reason. And the reason is, is because I don't want to have to face X, Y, Z. Now, it's still along the same lines because if you say, yeah, but that person might do this and I might have to deal with that. But if you said, no, I'm not going to do that, it, um, it really connects with your personal boundaries more. You may still have something to uh, get through, like some sort of fear to deal with, but at least you're drawing the line in the sand and you are being very clear in what you want instead of wishy-washy. Yeah, but if I do that, and I know I'm making it sound whiny, because <laughs> we all say, yeah, but at one time, I'm talking about those who have it as a pattern in their life, where it's always, yeah, but. I had a very good friend who was always, yeah, but, and now he's no longer a very good friend. He's a good guy, but he's just no longer a friend of mine because he just brought me down too much. So really, I would be his friend, but... <laughs> so there's my yeah, but. And also, those of you who listen to this show are probably not yeah, but people. The majority of you, I should say. And the people who want to coach with me, those of you who reach out to coach with me, very, very rarely do I get a yeah, but person. Because I have a feeling they know that their personality, their behavior won't be suitable for the type of coaching that I do. I did get one or two clients that were sort of along those lines, but they didn't come back. <laughs> Not that I put them through the paces and you know made all these challenges for them. I just think that some people want the magic pill. If I say, here's what you could try or here's what maybe you could do next time, they might have a yeah but and then ask, just make me feel better. I can't make you feel better, but if you do this, it will lead to you feeling better. I, but I, I can't just give you any magic pill. I mean, that's what uh, that's what doctors are for. <laughs> doctors can make you feel better. If you have a pain, then maybe they can prescribe something and you might feel better. But I don't. I'm not the. I'm not a pill guy. <laughs> I'm even a proverbial pill guy. I'm the person who helps you heal inside so that the healing can blossom and make you feel better long term. Because if you are able to heal some of this stuff way down inside, then the next time something happens in your life, the next time a challenge comes in your life, you won't face it from a, an emotionally wounded place. You won't face it from a place of maybe fear 
or if there's fear, it's it's less and less every time because you are rebuilding your empowerment foundation. You're rebuilding your emotional core so it's stronger and stronger every time. So when someone comes up to you and says, hey, get on stage, we're going to do something fun, you can go, all right, I'm ready for it. Even if there's fear that might come later, stand up and go on stage first. And yes, that's a metaphor. (laughs) That's a metaphor for anything that is presented to you in life where the old you would have said no, but the new you is going to say yes. Let's have this experience and see what happens. When I went on stage that night, I just wanted to find out what would happen. And I was thinking, wow, this is not the old me. Where's the old me that would be like, oh, I'd rather watch other people and see what happens. I didn't even want to know what was going to happen. I just stood up and did it. And it was so funny because uh, when I came back, my girlfriend was like, oh my God, you weren't supposed to go up there. (laughs) I was like, what? She goes, they're all plants. They're all planted from the audience. You're not even supposed to be up there. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she said, no, when they called the boyfriends and the husbands, that's all part of the act. And I was like, what are you kidding me? (laughs) And then I started feeling weird about it. I was like, wait, I wasn't supposed to go up there. And I was like, well, they didn't kick me off. And she said, I almost went up to the stage and said, get off the stage, get off the stage. And then she goes, I'm glad I didn't because that would have made it worse. And it's true. That would have, well, not worse, but it would have been like awkward that my girlfriend's like, get off there, get off there. What are you doing up there? (laughs) I'm making fun of it. She wouldn't say it like that, but uh, it was funny because I was like, really? I wasn't supposed to be up there? And then I started having all these weird feelings like, oh crap, did I just ruin the show? And then I was thinking, hey, you know what? They called me up there. I'm a boyfriend of of one of the singers. So I went up. So why not? I mean, I I didn't know there was an inside joke here. Turns out later that all the boyfriends and husbands were invited. And she was wrong that they were all plants. Two of them were planted, but uh, one of them wasn't. And he didn't know it was going to happen. And I wasn't. So it made it fun. But it was so funny that her face, she was like, oh my God, he's up there. Oh my God. And she doesn't even know what to do. (laughs) She's thinking, they do this every year and it's always planted people. But what happened is that every year, people aren't brave enough to get up there. What is that about? Is that the yeah, but, or that could be the no way. (laughs) I'm not going up there. What I like to do now is just go for the experiential experience. Be immersed in new things. Jump into these things that happen in life and just experience what it's like. Because when you do that kind of stuff, the yeah buts start to disappear. You can become more courageous in yourself. And you can become more confident in your decision making. You can become more empowered in almost everything you do by getting rid of the yeah but. Because what happens is you start to reinforce the last time you did it. And it builds and builds and builds. So when you say, yes, I'll do it. I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to do it. The next time it happens, 
first of all, you'll have the experience of the last time so that you can either give a clear, heck no, I'm not going to do that again, <laughs> or absolutely, I'll do it again. And you get even more experience and you build more confidence and more courage and all this stuff builds up and creates a more empowering foundation in you. So don't stay in yeah, but mode if that's where you are and continue trying new things and do it before the fear kicks in. Be smart about the choices you make. Don't jump into the shark tank. But the more you do things, the more you realize what you can do and the more your world opens up to even more possibilities beyond that. So there's my yeah, but monologue. <laughs> Let's go to the next segment called Ask Paul right after this. All right, welcome back. So every now and then we talk to Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She is an independent associate for Legal Shield, and if you're not familiar with Legal Shield, that's where you can have access to an attorney for questions and contract review and phone calls and all kinds of things for just a low monthly rate. It's it's well worth it. Asha has talked about it quite a bit on this show, so but I want to put her on the spot right now and ask her, what's one of the questions that you get more often than not? Asha, I'm putting you on the spot. Take it away. Okay. <laughs> I, the questions that I've gotten recently, I've had a couple, two or three people from Texas call me in the last two weeks, which is pretty interesting. And then um, somebody from Canada. I've gotten a lot of will questions. And basically, as part of your membership, you get a will done for free. There's no waiting period or anything. You sign up. It takes 24 to 48 hours to get your membership in place. But as soon as you started the process, if you need to start right away, you call me. I'll get you your law firm information and you can call them even before you get your official welcome email. You can start right away. $240 for the entire year. That will cover a free will. And every year thereafter, you get a free update. Did I already say that mine was $650 before I had <laughs> before I had Legal Shield? So it's definitely a huge savings there and it sorts things out properly for the people behind you uh, so you can have some peace of mind. So in the United States that is a standard will or it's called the last will and testament, a power of attorney for health care and a living will. In Canada, there is a little bit different. In Canada, that covers power of attorney for healthcare, power of attorney for possessions. It's called property, I guess, and also your standard will. So that's all included. Now, if you need escrow set up or trusts or something like that, then that's all provided at the 25% discount. So you're guaranteed to get 25% off extra services that you need. It's a great deal. It's a great benefit. And uh, there's no need to go and spend gobs of money to have this done when you can get it and have free legal advice as many calls as you want for an entire year and get your will for $240 total for the whole year. If you have any questions or you want more information or you just want to sign up, you can go to getoutofthemess.com, send me a message or call the number shown 678-355-8777 and I'm happy to help you in any way that I can. All right, this next segment is called Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through a challenge. 
Today's letter is from someone who calls themselves EJ. EJ writes, I have just estranged myself from my abusive maternal family, meaning my grandparents who helped raise my entire life, my uncle, and my mother. I had tried cutting my mother off emotionally for years, and in fact, I had not felt close to her for over a decade. I refused to acknowledge the dislike that I had for her because underneath, I really missed her and I wanted her to be present in my life. My mother dealt with addiction issues, but has been clean for years. Although this is true, she is still incredibly irrational and criticizes my body relentlessly. She also has never gotten along or ever gets along with my uncle or my grandparents. My usual routine was to cut off my mom and give her another chance after a few months, the same way my mother acted with my grandmother. That was until my stepfather and I had a conversation. He said to cut her out completely. I would have to cut out the entire family unit if I did that. But that's what I did. And since I cut them out, I found out some horrible information about my uncle and the abuse of other family members that have covered it up. I'm in shock, but I'm also, for the first time in my life, free. I just want to know how to begin to relax and enjoy my life after this abuse. I know it'll be a long road, but I'm so happy to feel free. But any advice or help is amazing. EJ. All right, EJ. Thanks so much for writing. And uh, I wasn't sure about one of your last sentences, which is which said, I just want to know how to begin to relax and enjoy my life after this abuse. Now, are you talking about your own abuse or the abuse that you found out about from your uncle? And I'm going to assume that it's the abuse that you found out about because uh, just of what you said before that. You said you found out some horrible information about your uncle and the abuse of other family members that have covered it up. Now, I don't know what type of abuse this is, but um, horrible leads me to think that it might be a sexual abuse. Could be physical abuse. I mean, they're very similar, except sexual is much more violating. Uh, But if it's sexual abuse, I get this. I, I get where you're at with that. But regardless of the type of abuse it is, uh, you were presented with some information that now you have to live with in some way. So you did some good things here. I mean, this is all good. You, you got to a point where you got rid of toxic family members. What's toxic? Anything that takes some of your power away. You know how when you're intoxicated, (laughs) if you ever drank a lot of alcohol, you lose some of your control and your inhibitions and your power because people can take advantage of you at that time in many ways. And it's intox, this intoxication is not a good space to be in unless you're around very trusting people. But even still, you're really not in full control of yourself anymore. And Anything could happen, and the drunker you get, the, the less control you have in your life, and the more likely something will happen. And we all know the effects of what happens when you're very intoxicated. Uh, people get hurt, people get uh, violated, harassed, molested, get into car accidents, kill themselves, kill others. I mean, there's, it's, it's awful, the line of things that can happen when you get to that point. And you can also have a good time. I'm not saying it's all bad. But there is a point where you drink so much that you are no longer 
in control of a lot of things that you do, a lot of things that you say, which is why when I was growing up with an alcoholic, my stepfather was an alcoholic, I learned all the bad stuff that can happen. And I became very averse to alcohol. And so I rarely <laughs> drink now because the exposure that I got to it over the years was not positive. <laughs> it was always negative, And I just chose to not have it in my life. But occasionally, maybe I'll have some Asti Spumanti. <laughs> Something light. <laughs> but it's still, I'm such a lightweight anyway, it'll affect me. But neither here nor there. The idea that you find out something in your family, some sort of abuse. Like I found out there was abuse in my family that I didn't know about until I was in my 30s. And suddenly I was like, what? What do I do with this? And who knows and who doesn't know? And I had to um, process it and, and hang on to what one family member wanted to keep a secret. So I held on to that secret because that's what they wanted. And even today, if they want to tell someone else, they will. I hold on to their secret, they hold on to their secret, and they only tell who they want to tell. And some other family members know now, so it's not so, not so much pressure on me. But it does feel like pressure. When you find this stuff out, it's like, what? You just want to tell the world. And sometimes you have to do your best to hold it in. If that's what they want, you know, unless there's still the danger of it happening continually. If it's something that happened in the past and they want to keep it in the past, it's their wishes. You know, if they're old enough to make these decisions, it's their, still their wish. And you do your best to honor those wishes. I mean, I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to honor this person's wishes and keep this secret. I wanted to tell people. Because it was an injustice and something needed to happen. But I held on to it because it was that person's wish. And I still do it today. So you'll never hear me talk about that. And I kept it vague enough so you have no clue who it is <laughs> or what it is. And that's the extent of that. I honor that. And so this is what we do for people. We honor them enough to honor their wishes. So I'm not, I, I know that's not your question, like, do I honor their wishes? Your question is, uh, I want to know how to begin to relax and enjoy my life after this abuse. And like I said, I'm not sure if you meant the abuse that you found out about with your uncle or your own abusive past or abused past. But let me address it this way. I just addressed it from the sense that if you find out about abuse in your family and the people that were involved in it don't want you to talk about it, or don't want the word spread, then you do your best to honor those wishes. Yes, it, to you it could be atrocious, it could be disgusting, it could be an injustice, but you do your best to honor their wishes. And you don't give them, sorry to say, crap about it. You don't say, you need to do this and you need to do that. You just go, okay, I don't agree with this, but if you don't agree, I didn't agree, but I said, I don't agree with this, but if this is what you want, I will honor that. So you do it. And then you just realize that it's their burden and you just know about this burden. So if it becomes a burden to you, just remember it was their burden to begin with and it still is their burden, uh, but maybe they've grown from it or maybe they're just not ready to deal with it, but someday they will be ready to deal with it or maybe not. It's still something they have to live with. And so you do your best 
to honor them. You do your best to be there for them. And then you also have the idea that now you know something about someone in your family. Now you know something about your uncle that maybe you didn't know before. What do you do with that information? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I cut the abuser out of my life. Completely. In fact, I was getting along with this person and started loving this person in a whole new way after some healing and growing in myself, and then I decided to cut them out as soon as I found out. I didn't know about this information before, but now that I do, it changes my entire perspective of this person, this abuser. So I cut them out, and I completely ignored their phone calls. I just cut them out, and when they tried to reach out to me, I would just ignore them. Gone. They're cut out. It was hard to do. <laughs> it really was, because I didn't have this relationship that this uh, my abused relative had. So to cut this person out of my life it was odd because I had a different relationship with this person. I didn't know this person was an abuser. And suddenly they are. What do I do with this information? And, and the person who told me, I do believe. Absolutely. So now I have this other person in my life that I was starting to develop a relationship with. And this person now has a label. Abuser. And that's what they became to me. So I just cut them out. I didn't treat them badly. I just cut them out. So I found that healthy because I didn't want that type of person in my life. If you and I were best friends and I found out that you abused your spouse <laughs> once in a while or on a regular basis, I would probably cut you out too. I would probably talk to you. <laughs> but um, in this case with uh, family, I made the promise not to mention it or talk about it. So I just had to do what I can to honor the person who got abused. And I think that's what we need to do is that when there's a clear victim, and I know some of you, some of you don't like to be called victims, survivor, victim, whatever word you want to use. When there's a clear victim or survivor, that's where our heart needs to go. That's where our, our commitment needs to go. When it's clear, when it's not always clear, when the facts don't match up, it's harder I agree, but we still have to be compassionate. And on top of all that, when it's completely unclear, like there's no way that person could have abused you. There's no way. You still have to keep an open mind because this is where abuse and people who uh, claim abuse and who have definitely been abused get into muddy waters because they know what happened and the person who did it knows what happened, but there's no other witnesses. But the person who did it has a good reputation. So there's, quote, no possible way they could have done it. So that leaves the abused, the victim, the survivor, the one who has no recourse, can't do anything about it. And this person's going to get away with it. So what do you do? You have to, if you don't have all the facts, and if you believe the victim, then you have to make a choice and put your time and energy towards them, with them. If you don't believe them or you're skeptical, you have to keep an open mind. If you know they're absolutely lying, you still have to keep an open mind. That's really all I have to say about that because there's so many 
abusers out there that aren't seen as abusers. They're seen as nice guys, typically men. They're seen as nice guys. They're seen as the uh, upstanding type with a good reputation and a good heart, compassionate, always treats people well, is a good friend. Those are the kind of people that are fully capable of doing this. It's not everyone, of course. It's just a small percentage. But the people that abuse are usually the ones we least suspect. Not usually, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of times they can be, which is why so much of it goes on and so many people get away with it. And there's all kinds of levels of abuse, physical, sexual. And then, of course, we get into the emotional abuse, which some people don't think is abuse, verbal abuse, which some people don't think is abuse. But it is all levels of abuse. And we don't suspect certain people because they're so nice. (laughs) They're so kind. They brought cookies to church. They're just the nicest person. You got to watch out. You got to be aware. I don't mean to say that about everyone because the person who brings cookies to church might be the nicest person and they're not abusing anyone. So don't just assume (laughs) that that's the case. Just know that if there's someone saying something about someone and they just seem to be the nicest person and your mind goes, well, that can't be true. Just keep an open mind. And moreover, try not to let your emotions get in the mix because that causes you to be biased on either side. You always just want to keep an open mind and come at it more analytically. Now, one thing you don't want to do with someone who's been accused of abuse is going to denial. Like, oh, I, I just can't believe it. It's so terrible. I can't believe it. So I won't. That is dangerous. That is so dangerous to jump into a place of denial. Like, uh, he couldn't be capable of doing that. I just can't believe it and I won't believe it. I refuse to look at the facts because I want to deny that it ever existed. I want to deny that this could be possible. Don't do that. It's dangerous. Just keep an open mind. Because when there really is a real victim of abuse and they're not listened to, that's a lot worse than questioning someone else's reputation or their status. Just keep an open mind. Anyway, there's my abuse soapbox. (laughs) Now let's talk about the other part of uh, this question, which is uh, the second interpretation I have, which is I just want to know how to begin to relax and enjoy my life after this abuse. Meaning, I've been abused. Now how do I start to relax and enjoy my life? Before I answer that, I want to congratulate you for taking the biggest first step into that uh, that you could have taken which is the very hard step of removing toxic family members. That's a hard that's a hard thing to do. That's a very difficult step to take. Not only one family member, but several family members that you know are toxic for you. If you did that and like you said, this is the first time in my life I felt free. Yes. That's what happens. You start removing this negativity, this toxicity from your life, person by person, then you do feel free. There's no more of all the previous pressure that used to be on you. The, the previous people that used to linger around you and cause you to feel the way you feel. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're responsible for our own feelings and emotions. But also people around us can stimulate that in us. They can stimulate bad feelings in us by just being there. (laughs) By just being in our life, they're causing a problem in our life. So congratulations on that. That's step one. That would be what I would tell you. Step two is to honor yourself from this point on. If you sense someone crossing your boundaries, either need to speak up, express yourself, or remove yourself out of the situation. Or if you can, like you did, cut people out. If there are people that are still not honoring you, honoring yourself, you need to stand up for yourself. You know, that's common knowledge on this show. (laughs) And uh, when you do that more and more, you start feeling better and better and better every time you do it. So that's step two, honor yourself. That could mean saying no to things that you used to say yes to. That could mean um, standing up for yourself when you used to not stand up for yourself. Whatever it means to you, because you know when someone's not honoring you, because you'll feel it inside. Step three is to, this is a more complex one, um, not feel guilty about the people that you have eliminated in your life. And there's a way to do that. Because, like you said, you said you wanted a relationship with your mom, but you had to cut her out or something like that. And, you know, you want relationships with these people that you want to love you in a healthy way. You want healthy relationships with your family. And sometimes you can't get it. So what do you do? Well, I mean, except what you did, which is, you know, cut them out. But sometimes you have to. And let me give you a perspective of why that's a good thing. I mean, we already know why it's a good thing. If they're toxic, they're bringing you down, they're putting you in a place that you don't want to be in. But let's look at a a bigger picture here. You know how you first attend school and you're in kindergarten, depending on where you are, and then you're in the first grade and then in the second grade. In each grade, you learn something new and learn something more until there's nothing more to learn in that grade. And then you move on to the next grade. And then pretty soon you graduate. And then maybe you go to college. Maybe you don't, or maybe you never graduated, (laughs) but you see the succession of things that go on. You know, you go eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, go through all these grades because you can't stay in the same grade anymore. You just, you can't keep learning the same thing over and over. I guess, I suppose you could, but you, you are ready to evolve to the next grade. You've gotten to that point. Some people are like that. Some people are in your life for a temporary period of time because they're only capable of going a certain distance with you as far as love and support, being a friend, being a mom, being a dad, being a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife. Some people are in your life for a certain period of time just as as if you were in school and you are in school for a certain period of time where you've learned your lessons and now there's nothing more to learn and you're ready to move on. Some people are like that too. Even the closest people in our life, even our mom and dad, sometimes they can't play a role for you anymore because they've taught you all they can. Not that they were uh, willing teachers. Some of them were just teachers by the way they are. All their functions and dysfunctions all their capabilities and incapabilities. The person they are 
can only teach you so much until you've learned and are ready to move on and graduate to the next level. So if you see people like this, for example, I have a friend who has a friend and she is outgrowing this friend. It almost sounds a little arrogant. (laughs) I'm outgrowing her. (laughs) I don't mean to be that way, but that's what it sounds like, but it's not. What it is, is wow. She's looking at her own life going, I've changed. And this friend has changed. And I'm not on the same path as this friend anymore. And the longer I stay friends with this person, the less likely I'm going to be able to graduate to the next level. It's that quote, you are the average of the five people you hang out with most. How am I going to graduate to the next level if you're in my life? Because you're not evolving like I want to evolve. Probably a bad word in this case, but you're not going through the healing that I'm going through. You're not uh, reaching the next level that I want to reach. You want to stay there. You want to, whatever, complain all the time. You want to keep abusive people in your life, and I'm ready to move away from abusive people. You have a mentality that doesn't match mine. And when you can come to a place in yourself where you don't judge their place, but you just honor yourself, then you can go your separate ways and you'll be okay and they'll be okay because they'll find someone at their level. It doesn't mean you're any more enlightened than they are. It just means that you're not on the same path anymore. So with these people in your life that uh, might have caused you grief or harm, you can wish them well on their path and hope that they can get to a place where they're not so toxic in your life anymore and then you can welcome them back. But until then, be okay that they were there for the period of time that they needed to be there until you learned your lessons and graduated to the next level. Great. You might make new friends. You might have new family. But when you get to a point where you are honoring yourself and allowing those people that you appreciate and honor most in your life, your life just gets better and you can relax and start enjoying life more and more. So EJ, I hope this helps you. I don't know if I answered your entire question or if I addressed this the way you were looking for, but I hope this helps in, in the way that you need it. And thank you so much for writing and wow, congratulations <laughs> because getting rid of toxic family members is, was one of the hardest things I had to do for sure. So the fact that you were able to get to that point and you suddenly feel free for the first time in your life, that says a lot. Remember what you did for yourself at that moment when you felt free. Remember how you got there and keep doing that. You know, any type of abusive past, once you start freeing yourself from this toxicity and honoring your boundaries, it does take a while. It does build up. The more you do it, the more free you feel. And then you can start enjoying life a lot more and not having to worry about the past anymore. Because that's another thing is that family reminds us of our past. And so do do we have a great past with our family? (laughs) Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But that can heal. And family can rekindle if there's healing on both sides and you can come back together. And even when there's not, Let's just say that no one in your family heals, but you still want to see your mom. If you can be in a place in yourself that you are honoring yourself no matter what, 
then you can visit your mom. Then you can talk to your mom. And when she dishonors your boundaries and says, you're so fat, you you need to work out. Because you said that she criticized your body. So I'm assuming that she made statements like that. I don't know. Or maybe she said, you're too skinny. <laughs> Whatever she said. Then you can take those statements and say, I understand that you feel that way, but I'm comfortable. And she'd be like, what do you mean you're comfortable? You look so unhealthy. Yeah, I know that's the way it looks to you, but I'm comfortable in myself. And you literally mean it. When you can get to that place inside of you where you mean what you say and you feel good about yourself, even if some of the stuff that she says hurts, you can still go, no, 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 wait. (laughs) I know me and I feel good and you're not going to bring me down. You don't have to say that, but you can. And you can say, look, I understand how you feel and what you perceive. It's my life, though. It's my life, my body. I can go home and eat 10 chocolate cakes if I want because it's my life. You live your life, and I'll honor you living your life if you let me live mine and honor me living mine. That's all I ask for. And if she still can't get it through her head, then maybe she's like that grade in high school that you finally got through and you never have to look back again. (laughs) Sorry to say, but sometimes that's the way it goes. Thank you again, EJ. I appreciate you. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about the TOB Patron Program. In fact, uh, you've probably heard me say this before, but uh, this is where you can get private episodes of The Overwhelmed Brain, uh, things that I don't talk about on the air necessarily, uh, and things I get into a little deeper, and some subject matters that um, I just don't talk about in public. <laughs> and sometimes you'll get some surprises like I have uh, today. In fact, if you're listening today, which is when this airs, Sunday, August 28th, 2016, and you're in the patron program, no matter what level you're at, we're going to have a hangout. All the patron members are invited to hang out in a video or audio chat with me and other members where we all talk about anything that comes up, whether it's personal growth related or just personal in general and whatever else that comes up. So I'm looking forward to that. It's something that I just implemented where if you're a member of the patron program about once I think every six to eight weeks, we're going to have this uh, hangout so we can just all get together and have a good time. It's if we were all in the same city, I would probably want to meet at a Panera Bread (laughs) and just have a great talk because I really like um, connecting with you. Uh, And if you're in the patron program, then I want to find a way to get us all together and connect and talk with like minds. And Of course, if you're uncomfortable showing your face, you can show up anonymously because I have a system that allows you to call in and things like that. So it's going to be fun. Um, But something that just happened last week, we had a a great uh, mini class on stopping self-sabotage. So if you missed it, um, here's a little taste of it. Uh, We had a good time and it ran a little long. So next time I probably won't go as long, but this is a little taste of what we talked about. And again, short-term consequences always override long-term inaction. I had to write that one out because I couldn't think of that one on the fly. (laughs) So the short-term consequences are that quick burst of pain that we might feel if we make the right decision in the moment. 
those short-term consequences always override long-term inaction. But that, that means that's the right choice to make. The short-term consequence of the choice I'm going to make will override the long-term inaction. Now, what is inaction? That means what I just said. Uh, I'm afraid to say this to my father, so I won't say it today. So the long-term effect of that inaction happens again and again and again because we never get the courage to do it until we do it. It's like you can't even you can't even build a courage to do something. You just have to do it when th- in, in circumstances like that because you don't have a reference, in, in, especially with people pleasers, Stephen. You, you don't have a reference in how to how to behave and what's going to happen if I do behave that way. You just have to take that leap of faith. All right, I'm going to say something and this is going to feel really weird and it's going to be hard and he might yell at me or, or what, but I just need to take this leap of faith and see what happens. Where we go with it typically is what happens next. I'm, I know what's going to happen next, so I'm not going to say it. Instead of staying in that moment, if now is the only moment, what choice would you make then? So the other thing that we talked about is I don't have any other choice. So there you have it. I mean, you don't have to join for the group sessions. You can certainly join just for the private episodes, which starts at $3 a month. Very affordable. It's really a no-brainer. So if you want more TOB, visit patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and join at one of the levels today. Like I said, we have the private members-only episodes. We have some worksheets that you will not find on the Overwhelmed Brain website. Uh, If you're a member of the Gold Program, you get email coaching. So certainly consider that. And um, of course, the Platinum members where you get everything under the sun. (laughs) Well, I can't promise everything, but I'll give you as much as I possibly can. So anyway, visit patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and join the patron program today. I hope to see you on the inside. All right, I'm going to read one more quick uh, letter today because uh, it has to do with something that you're already familiar with and you'll understand what I mean by the time I get to the end. Here it is. Dear Paul, I have a friend for several years now that has a negative impact on my life. When I first met her, she seemed like-minded and I sought to be her friend. Once I really got to know her, I realized that most of our interactions consisted of her unloading her stress onto me or complaining about something or venting as she calls it. Of course, I'm there for friends who need to get something off their chest every now and then. That's what good friends do. But it was each and every time that we met up. She also never took any of the advice I gave and kept bringing up the same problems. In addition to venting constantly, she also crossed my boundaries too many times, not respecting me when I said I needed to go over and over again, or when she invited herself over. That is also my fault for not just saying, okay, I'm going now, or no, now's not a good time, so don't come over. So I understand that, but it was still hard. Lastly, I plain just don't enjoy her company anymore. It's very one-sided and she talks non-stop about very detailed things that I just don't care about. It's exhausting. It's not fun for me. I've since moved away for other reasons, but even a message from her will make my heart pound. Communicating with her causes my body to have stress response. I want to end the friendship and end communication, but I don't know how to do so without badly hurting her feelings. I'm afraid she has received a lot of rejection in her life and that I would just add to it. We rarely talk these days, but I just want to end it completely. I just don't know how. 
Thanks so much for reading. I'm going to call you April. All right, April, thanks for that message and thanks for that question. And the reason I said that um, this will sound very familiar is because that's what this almost entire episode has been about. It's the people that don't want to listen to advice. They're the yeah-but people. (laughs) It's the people that are toxic to us, so we need to get rid of them in some way, shape, or form. That sounds morbid (laughs) when I say it that way, but I mean just get them out of our life. Either that's us leaving them or them leaving us or in some way uh, separating like you did. You've separated from her. And now you're at a point where, okay, there's minimal communication, but um, every now and then she'll send a message and then I get this, it's her again, <laughs> or whatever you think. But this, that's what I think is like, oh no, not this guy again. <laughs> so what do you do with it? What do you do? Well, for one, let go of the idea that you are responsible for how she handles rejection. Let it go because you're going to meet a lot of people in your life that won't be able to handle rejection well and you'll have to reject them. It's something that is just a part of life. When you meet someone that's attracted to you and they say, hey, baby, let's go back to your place and you're uncomfortable about that or you're just disgusted by that very thought, are you not going to reject them because they might not handle rejection well. I mean, think about that. Because you might have a different answer for that. You might say, of course, I'm going to reject them. No way. Can you go over my house? No way. I mean, this is if you're not attracted and you're not developing anything serious. But let's just say that this person you didn't like at all or didn't want over your house and they were a stranger and and they were like, hey, let's, you know, go over your house and get to know each other. What are you going to do? You have to dig in there and reject them. No, no, that's not right. No, I don't know you well and I'm not interested in that. You have no problem there. Where the problem lies is that you have an emotional connection with your friend. So now you have an opportunity to reject, but in a different way. With a stranger, it's a lot easier. No way, you're not coming over. (laughs) Why not, baby? (laughs) Because I'm not interested in you and I'm not attracted to you. Oh, come on. You got to try it before you make a decision. I'm like, oh. (laughs) With a friend, it's a little harder because you've developed a a friendship, or at least even if it's a one-sided friendship, one of you believes that there's more here than uh, they might think. So she might think that there's more to this friendship than you do, or you know it. And now uh, you're at a point where now you got to let them down. And it's still not your responsibility if they go down from there. It's not your responsibility if they feel sad or bad. That doesn't make it any easier. And that's not my solution. But where I go with this is that the more you you want to be, the more you honor you inside you and heal from anything that's going on inside of you, the more the people that are synchronized with you will stay in your life and the more that the people that are unsynchronized with you will start to drift apart. And this this is what happens, is that the more you honor yourself in you and just focus on you, don't even focus on her, 
the more you focus on you and honor yourself and heal from anything that needs to go on inside of you, I know I sound like a broken record, is that the more those kinds of people will just drift away. They will go away because they won't have any dysfunction to feed off of. Have you heard me talk about the feedback mechanism of dysfunction? When you have dysfunctional people in your life, it's usually because you have some sort of dysfunction in you that they feed off of. So if you're a people pleaser and you love helping people and you have a big heart, but you give it to the deficit of yourself, you give until you're exhausted giving, a dysfunctional person takes advantage of that and pulls you in closer and wants to just suckle off of that energy or whatever you want to call it. Suckle off of your personality. And when they do that, they're like, it feels like they're a leech. And then every time you feel that leech presence, you get that icky feeling like, oh, I don't want that leech on me. It's draining me. That's because of who you are inside. It drains you because you have some sort of, for lack of a better term, dysfunction that they're feeding off of. So how do we give the message that we want these people to drift away from us? Well, we can poison the milk. How do you poison the milk? You become healthier so that they have no choice to either become healthier themselves or get that sour taste in their, in their mouth and drift away. I'm speaking very metaphorically here. <laughs> but what will happen is that as you honor yourself and, and speak for what you want in your life, these people don't have anything else to feed off of, so they go somewhere else. They have to seek that dysfunction elsewhere. Right now, from what you said in your letter, she's feeding off your compassion for her feelings of rejection. So in general, that's a noble thing to have. It's noble to have compassion for someone's feelings and how they feel. But what if they use that against you? I'm not saying she's doing it intentionally, but just for a moment, what if you figured out that she knew that you were compassionate towards her feelings of rejection and she used that in an exploitive way to keep you in her life. Again, I'm not saying that's what's happening. <laughs> At least not willingly or consciously. But let's just say it was. Let's just say she was doing it on purpose. How would it feel then? Would you still have a problem hurting her feelings? You, you could, you may, or may not. But I want you to start to see a toxic friendship like this, because that's what it is. It's a draining toxic friendship, even if she's not consciously trying to do it to you. But every time you hear from her, it makes you feel yucky. You get that yucky feeling. Then it's time to poison the milk a little bit. So you have to become somewhat uninteresting to her. What makes you interesting to her? What makes you her friend? Because whatever you're supplying in this feedback mechanism, whatever you're giving her that she is taking, we need to stop giving. So this is kind of a, a backwards way to do things. I'm always about honor yourself and just say, you know what? I don't need you in my life. Therefore, I'm going to shut you out. 
that's all well and good. <laughs> and it's a lot easier to do with highly toxic people. But when you have uh, very sensitive people and you're not sure what they're going to do or how they are going to behave, then we need to sometimes take a different route and change who we are and what we give in the relationship. Because eventually, if they're not getting what we're giving because we're not giving it anymore, they're going to go away because they have nothing else. They have nothing else to feed off of. If a plant doesn't get sunlight, it will wither and die until it finds the sunlight. It, it, it'll go somewhere else. I mean, you can almost liken it to, this is probably a bad example, but <laughs> leading a horse to water so the horse can drink. Well, stop leading the horse to water because you're always you know, giving it something to drink. You're always leading it to the same stream. Lead it somewhere else or just take the stream away. That's a terrible example. Forget I said that. <laughs> you don't want to impoverish a horse. <laughs> Let's think of something else. How about batteries in a, in a flashlight? Batteries in a flashlight. <laughs> the only way the flashlight's going to work is if you put batteries in it. So take the batteries out. What, what is the power that you're giving her? The power that you give to a flashlight are the batteries. So you take the batteries out, the flashlight doesn't work anymore. So the, the flashlight has to go somewhere else. I can't think of a good analogy here. So <laughs> you'll just have to figure this out on your own, I think. <laughs> At least in an analogy. Figure out your own analogy because I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with it on the fly. But the idea is what you're feeding it. Once you start poisoning the milk, then it changes the relationship. And the person in the relationship um, doesn't want it anymore. So she has to go somewhere else. So that's the idea behind this. You could be direct. You could say, I'm sorry. I need my own balance in life and I'm, I'm doing other things in my life now and you're not a part of it. Even for me, that's a tough thing to say. <laughs> it's a tough thing to tell someone to be so bluntly honest and direct. That's tough for me. Because you're right, there are people with rejection issues. And even though I'm not responsible for how they feel, my sensitivity would still be there. I just have more compassion in my heart for that, just like you do. So it's probably tough to go along that route. So, But I do have people in my life that contact me even today that I will poison the water a little bit. What are they getting from me? And how can I change what they're getting from me so I'm not there supplier anymore. If I'm not their supplier, they're going to go find another supplier. Or maybe they'll heal on themselves enough to uh, figure something out about themselves and then come back and go, wow, I was being this way. I'm sorry about that. And then I can go, oh, wow, you're a new and different person. Perfect. Let's see what happens now. So anyway, I hope this helps you, April. And thank you so much for writing. And you're on a good path because you decided to take steps to separate yourself from that. And if this person keeps contacting you and keeps contacting you, you know, I can't give you super practical advice except to just say ignore it. And that's probably the worst advice <laughs> I could give you. But at the same time, it might actually work. Well, if she's going to ignore me this whole time, then I'm just not going to contact her anymore. Oh, good. <laughs> so that's all I have to say about that, April. I wish you the best with that. I think... Uh, at least once in our life and probably many more times than that we all have to deal with this in some way shape or form and um, you know how do we 
go about that. And that's just one of the ways. So I hope that helps. Thank you again for writing. And thanks for listening to the show. It's uh, the end. (laughs) We're at the end of another episode. And I appreciate you. Stick around. I'm going to read some thank yous and then uh, give you my final thoughts. Be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Let's thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She doesn't show her face around here too often. (laughs) But that's okay. She's got a lot going on right now. She sponsors the show. So if you're looking for peace of mind, uh, knowing that you can just call an attorney anytime to ask almost any question, contact her at 678-355-8777 or go to GetOutOfTheMess.com and she'll connect you with the service called Legal Shield. She's a great resource. Make sure you go to getoutofthemess.com so she knows that we sent you. That's uh, her website and very specific to the overwhelmed brain. And thank you for listening to me talk about the TOB patron program. I know, I know. It's only about 1% of you are ever going to get on the website and take a look at the patron program. But you know what? The resources are building and building up in there. There's more and more episodes being created all the time. We've got a great group coaching probably about every two or three weeks that's going on. And now I'm starting to do the hangouts where I hang out with all the patron members. So I would love to have you in that group. Go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and I hope to see you there. And whether you're a patron or not, I want to thank you if you've purchased any of the books that I have. And in fact, I have a new book coming out in January. It's actually going to be a paper book. You can actually hold it in your hand and you can even pre-order it on Amazon right now. I don't know why they put it up early. I don't know the the logic behind that, but it's there. You know, we're still doing the editing process, but they're expecting a release date of January. I I hope I don't eat my words. (laughs) But at Amazon, it says January is the release date. So let's cross our fingers and hope that's there. So if you're interested in uh, purchasing that book, go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on that Amazon link. (laughs) And then you'll find The Overwhelmed Brain in Amazon. It's actually called The Overwhelmed Brain. So check it out. It's for sale right now and you can pre-order it. You can't get it (laughs) until January, but this should be an interesting ride. Go to my website, click on the Amazon link and check out The Overwhelmed Brain. I'm hoping it changes your life. That's my purpose behind writing it. Coming out soon. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And I just want to mention one last thing before we close the show, and that is uh, I had someone write to me recently, and I've had this before, like two or three, maybe four times so far. People have written to me and and said, I don't listen to your show anymore. (laughs) And I'm waiting for the uh, punch in the face punchline. Like, because you are, you know, something, something. And for the last three or four times, like I said, it has turned out to be that they don't listen to the show anymore because they've gotten enough. Not they've had enough of me, but they've gotten enough where they feel empowered to stand up for themselves, to honor themselves, to create the life they want. And that's my goal. My goal is to get you to stop listening to this show. (laughs) Even though that's terrible (laughs) for, I don't know, ratings, downloads, 
my goal is to get you to a point where you don't need this show, where you are fully enlightened and evolved. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I'm going to come back week after week after week until, until it's possible that everyone gets everything they need, but I don't know if that's uh, ever going to end because there's always something new. There's always something different. I mean, how complex is the brain? How complex is our, our relationships? How complex are the dynamics of social interaction and emotions? They're so complex. There's so much to talk about and so many different ways to look at things, so many perceptions about everything that goes on out there. So there's always something new to discover. And even if I talk about the same subjects in you know a few episodes, like talking about uh, bad marriages. Let's talk about bad marriages. How many aspects of bad marriages are there? Thousands. Thousands. Because, because what makes a bad marriage? Well, let's talk about that. Each component can be its own show. So that's not the point of what my final thoughts are. <laughs> my final thoughts are that I want you to get to a point where you don't need all this self-help material in your life. You shouldn't have to rely on shows and books and seminars and things like that because you, you want to get to a point where you're just creating your own life and making your own decisions. You're empowered. If you're empowered, then I'm happy. If you're not empowered, well, then I'm not happy, damn it. <laughs> and I want you to be there. So my mission if you want to call it, that is coming back week after week to help you become empowered. How can I do that? Well, if you come back week after week and listen, then hopefully that adds to your power. Hopefully what you hear in this show is fulfilling in a way that leads you to a better life. That's what I want for you. So if it turns out that you get to a point where I know it all now, and I don't need to listen to you anymore. <laughs> I make it sound terrible if I do that. How about this? Um, I have learned enough. And right now, I think I'm okay and I'm going to do this on my own. Great. Good. That's what I want. Will you ever come back? Tell me you'll come back, please. <laughs> you don't have to. But you know, not every listener listens to every episode. Sometimes they look through the list of episodes and, oh, that's the one I want to listen to. I don't want to listen to that, but that one I'll listen to. And then they get something from it and everything's great. And they come back six months from now and then do some binge listening <laughs> and then go on with their life. Some of the subjects we talk about are very deep. And sometimes I talk about it as if they weren't um, as uh, sensitive as they really are. I mean, there are some subjects I talked about today that are very sensitive and some people are in a very deep, dark place with them. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there and bring them to that dark place. Let's talk about depression. <laughs> I don't want to do that to you. I if we talk about depression, all right. Let's talk about depression. Hey, let's talk about depression. That's what. That's how I want to say it. Because <laughs> I don't want you to be depressed when we talk about it. I want you to know that there's a way out. There's a way out of how you feel. There is, that's what self-empowerment is. It's a way out. It's power that comes from within 
to lead you to a place that's outside of this stuff that holds us back. These repressed emotions, this negativity. Let's get that out of us. So we're away from that. That's what empowerment does. It fills you and pushes that stuff outside of you. Hey, if you're there, you probably don't need this show. Or if you're there and just want as much as you can get, then maybe you want this show instead of need it. Or if you're there and just want to hear me tell stories, (laughs) then keep tuning in. It's up to you. I don't want to hold you to this. You have free will, although that's debatable too, but that's another episode. (laughs) And I want you to be able to keep that mind open and step into that power so that it can expand inside you. And that'll help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. I always want you to take steps to grow and evolve because you're powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.